Welcome to the Politics of Special Forces podcast. In this 10-part limited series, join me, Kevin D. Stringer, and me, Christian Breed, as we examine just what Special Operations Forces, or SOF, does, and how that might need to change as we move into this new era of great power competition. Welcome back. This is Episode 9 of the Politics of Special Forces podcast. Today we're joined by Brigadier General Maciek Klitsch. He's the Deputy Commander of the Polish Territorial Defense Forces and an experienced soft leader. He enlisted in the Polish Armed Forces as a cadet in the Officer School of Mechanized Infantry in 1991. Upon graduation in 1995, he was commissioned as a second lieutenant and was assigned to the 6th Airborne Brigade, where he served as a rifle platoon leader, staff officer, and rifle company commander. In 2001, he successfully completed the Airborne School, Pathfinder School, and Ranger School in Fort Benning, Georgia, in the United States. In 2006, Brigadier General Klitsch joined the Polish Special Operations Forces, where he served 11 years in strategic, operational, and tactical level positions, to include the JWK Commando Unit. He was assigned to the NATO and European Union Response Force Operations Command in Germany from 2007 to 2010, where he served as a Special Operations Forces Advisor. Brigadier General Klitsch is a graduate of the Program on Terrorism and Security Studies at the George Marshall Center in Germany, as well as the NATO Operational Planning, NATO Special Operations Planning courses, and Special Operations Aviation Planning course, and the Strategic Project Management courses at the United States Army War College. Brigadier General Klitsch has deployed experience in Bosnia-Herzegovina, twice as a platoon leader and rifle company commander, and in Afghanistan as Chief of Staff to the NATO Special Operations Component Command. Brigadier General Klitsch is an author of numerous articles, analyses, and papers on special operations policies and operational employment, professional military education, international military cooperation, strategy development, and territorial and volunteer formations. And it's this expertise that we're thrilled to have at our disposal today, as we have a really interesting conversation with the Brigadier General about the intersection between territorial defense, special operations, special operations forces, and the concept of unconventional warfare and resistance. And now I give you Brigadier General Maciek Klitsch. Maciek, it's great to have you here today. Uh, Christian and I are so excited that uh, you're joining us for our ninth podcast on the politics of special forces. For the listeners, could you talk to us a little bit about yourself, your career, as well as your organization in order to get us started? Thank you. Thank you very much for that question. Uh, um, um, so I, I joined military. I joined military a long time ago, 1991. So that was for the Polish, from the Polish perspective, at the time where two years after uh, the iron, uh, the iron curtain was uh, was down. Um, after graduating from the from the from the school from mechanized officer uh, mechanized officers uh, uh, school. I started my, uh, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant and I uh, started uh, my military career from the Airborne, Airborne Brigade, which is the, which is the light infantry. And this, and, and this decision, uh, to be honest, uh, 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 shaped uh, my entire life because after being um, almost eight years in the Airborne Brigade, uh, I switched into the Special Forces, which is uh, another uh, light infantry brigade. Uh, but being in a, in the Airborne Brigade, I was lucky to be selected uh, as a one out of not many Polish officers to went through to go through um, the Ranger School, 
Pathfinder School and the Airborne School. So that also put some kind of a stamp on my career and being a graduate, uh, being a graduate, being a professor of being a platoon leader professor uh, certified in the Ranger School uh, give, gave me a good segue to being a special forces guy. And then after almost 12 years in the special forces, in the Polish special operation forces, uh, um, that was my decision also to change and to join my current uh, formation, my current organization, which is the Territor Territorial Defense Forces. And I'm going to use throughout this interview a TDF as, a, as, a, as an English acronym or VOT, which is the Voice Cobron Territoriale in a, in a Polish language. So we are using uh, interchangeably TDF or VOT uh, during, this, during this interview. So this is more or less my military career. I, uh, I've, been promoted, uh, I've been promoted to by President of Poland to uh, Brigade General one year ago in, 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 in uh, August 2021. And my current position is a, a territorial uh, defense forces uh, deputy commanding general. That's, that's all I, I think for, for my. Logic, that's a, a fascinating career also given that you started shortly after Poland regained its independence, let's say in a sense, from the, the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact. Um, you're currently the deputy commander of your territorial defense forces, the WAT, as you rightly said in Polish. What is, what is this? And can you talk about conceptually, is it, is it a national guard? Is it a home guard? Is it something else? Would be interested to get some, some parameters on what is the TDF for Poland? So, so, so the, so if I can go really back to my to to my uh, to my beginning of my career, I remember Polish army being four hundred fifty thousand strong, and having 15, 15 divisions, uh, to include uh, tank divisions, mechanized divisions. So, so throughout my career, I saw uh, I, I saw a very rapid degree de decrease in in numbers, uh, and finally, uh, I remember Polish army with only three divisions. And less than one, less than one hundred thousand soldiers. So I remember also that uh, TD at the time we called this a TD territorial defense. So that was an organization uh, which was uh, no, well known or, or 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 negatively known from being just a support very supportive to um, uh, to the armed forces and uh, and used to and used as a gap filler for, for, for many different missions of, uh, of the operational forces. Uh, so the decision of, the, of, create, of cre creating or recreating uh, the territorial defense forces in Poland is of course not, an, uh, not, a, uh, not a new decision or not a, new, a unique decision all over the world. However, we have to remember of couple of couple factors. 2009, there was a political decision in Poland that we will, uh, we will, we will, we will suspend a compulsory service, and that decision um, uh, affected in dropping the number of the Polish armed forces to the less than one hundred thousand soldiers. Another important fact that was in in that period in that period, uh, uh, NATO and of course Polish uh, Polish armed forces were focused on the what we called at the time out of area operations, which is for, for Polish was about was Iraq and Afghanistan. So for, for that reason, of course, uh, 
we don't need compulsory military service. We don't need a, we don't need draft soldiers drafted soldiers coming from the draft. So that was a that was a, and then came 2014, and uh, annexation of Crimea, and then we found out that Poland has only um, only a few really uh, combat ready uh, uh, combat ready and combat design units, but we have nobody to take care about auxiliary missions, nobody to take care about the civilians. So there was a decision, political decision, uh, that a couple of the special Polish Special Operation Forces personnel uh, were asked um, by the political level to design a concept how to enhance the military capabilities of the Polish Armed Forces, uh, having in mind our, our um, experience from from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from Chad, the places where, where we as a Polish army and where we, where we as a NATO, where we as a, a part of the coalition of uh, coalition forces, we built or we enhanced the capabilities of this of these countries. So, so of course, uh, uh, we we used the examples from all over the world because the formation like territorial defense forces are not uh, are not unique um, uh, for, for, for the world. Um, of course, we, uh, we, 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 uh, we travel to Lithuania, we travel to Latvia, we travel to Estonia to see how our Baltic friends, uh, they use this, um, they use this uh, volunteers um, in, 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 in their uh, formations, like, for example, Lithuanian National Defense uh, Voluntary Force, uh, National Guard of uh, Latvia, which is the Zemesardze, or Estonian Defense League. We also travel to Nordic countries. We also travel to Sweden to see national Swedish National Guard. We travel to Norway, uh, to Home Guard, to, to Denmark, to see the, also the Danish Home Guard. Uh, and of course, we travel to, US, to, to USA, to see the National Guard, because U.S. US National Guard, um, in, accord, in accordance with the State Partnership Program, which is the SPP, uh, they are our they are strategic partner of the Polish Armed Forces, but they became quickly um, the strategic partner for the Polish Territorial Defense Forces. So this is more or less the the idea of creating the TDF or recreating a TDF uh, in a within the Polish uh, Polish Armed Forces. Before I pass it to Christian, just it sounds like then you looked at a number of models of volunteer reserve component part-time forces, and it sounds like you took what was best and formed the redesigned or restructured Polish version of it. That was that was actually uh, that was actually I can I can I can talk about this from the five-year perspective. That was a brilliant decision. Uh, that we decided to follow that that idea because we save not only not only money, but we also send uh, send uh, we also save time. So you cannot buy time, and having in mind all these good and bad uh, uh, examples, uh, we found out during our uh, during our travels. That's the that's an uh, that was an, an enormous experience, which as I said, save a lot of time and set a lot of uh, a lot of money. And very, uh, very, uh, uh, 
very often we had a great idea. There was a great Polish idea. And then we were uh, told by our friends from uh, Baltic countries, Nordic countries and, and the US, hey guys, do not follow that way. This is a great idea, but with the one big, uh, big no-go, it doesn't work. So, uh, so sometimes, uh, sometimes we said, okay, they, they don't know what, the, what, what they are talking about. We are, we are Polish, uh, we know what's going on. And then we found out after a year or two, hey, that's not a good idea. So, but in most of the time, we save a lot of money and a lot of uh, a lot of time just because a good uh, uh, a good hints and good good pieces of advice from our uh, for our friends uh, from part-time territorial uh, voluntary formations. That's really uh, great. Thank you so much for that, sir. Um, I gotta say your your context that you laid out um, about the declining size of the uh, the Polish military, the shift from a conscript to an all volunteer force, the focus from uh, out of area operations, you know, and primarily in response to the 9/11 wars and those NATO and and coalition commitments, um, sounds really familiar, um, which I think is interesting and uh, it's nice to see it so clearly laid out because uh, we've seen that in in countries all over the West, uh, including Canada. Um, and again, 2014 is really going down as a as a an inflection point or a decision point where everything changed and that focus had to be relearned and or, or there was a shift in focus. And I think it's it's I don't want to uh, underemphasize the importance of that moment um, and that that shift in trend, uh, which I think we're all all working our way through now. And it's, it really was the impetus for this this whole podcast series, which is you know given the things that you described. It really came out of post-Cold War into the 9-11 wars and this emphasis on special operations forces now shifting to you know, almost a return of history and great power competition. What does that mean for special operations forces? So that was really uh, well laid out. I appreciate that. What I'd love to do is, uh, if you don't mind, sir, is just uh, ask uh, something a little bit more personally. You talked to us a lot about what the TDF is and, and conceptually where that fits, which is outstanding. But I'm curious, what is it, uh, you know, as the deputy commander of, of the Polish TDF, you also have extensive soft background, as you made very clear in your introductory remarks. How does this experience help with territorial defense as a concept and then um, also uh, in practice? And, and was this intentional? Um, that, that's uh, a very good, very good question. And, and, I, and I believe and I'm, 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 um, I think and I believe that my, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, my uh, soft background uh, helped me to Help me to understand the first. Help me to understand this this political goal uh, being uh, placed in front of us soldiers, uh, and it is very important because oh, inside a soft, uh, we always uh, we as a soft people we always would like to be uh, uh, command and controlled from the most most highest uh, most highest perspective, that to give us a really clear guidance. Hey, sir, what's your mission? What's your what's your outcome, sir? What's your end state, sir? It's uh, so understanding that and being uh, and and being a soft uh, and being a soft personnel um, that gives me this that more that gives me that, that delivered this experience delivered me or uh, enriched my flexibility to talk to the political level and just to uh, just to not being afraid or not being paralyzed. Uh, 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 by only the presence of the politi of the of the uh, political leader, but what we did in uh, what, what, what we to be honest did 
our first concept was actually not accepted by the political uh, by the political uh, level because it was too expensive. Uh, so um, and it was also some political no goes like, uh, okay, sir. So let's uh, let's um, revoke the uh, let's uh, reinstate the compulsory service. And it was answer like, hey, gentlemen, there is no political no political will. To do that, so find me a find me a better solution. So that was more or less the first uh, the, the the first uh, 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 the first big mission in uh, uh, how I how I see my soft background and how that helped me to uh, to create and to develop the TDF. Another one was, and I mentioned that that my uh, previous experience of being the uh, being the uh, platoon leader professor. Uh, that helped me. That helped me to understand also, in in special forces and in a TDF, we are very key. Uh, and we are very focused on the individual soldier. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh, underemphasize my friends from the land forces, from the air force, from the navy. However, uh, however, we are very. Uh, we are looking from the very uh, individual perspective. And uh, the platoon level, the, the individual soldier level, the company level, this is this is how soft operate on 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 the on the team level, uh, on the task force level. So this is more or less how we how we placed our uh, our experience from the soft, uh, and we we we, we uh, uh, started to design and started to enhance um, uh, the the Polish the Polish the Polish uh, TDF. And 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 and, um, and and I know that was that was intentionally, that was a political, uh, political strategic political decision to take couple of, of of key personnel from the special operation forces, mostly from the, I could say the Green Beret uh, family, which is the unconventional warfare personnel. Um, so so we still have, we still have. We still continue to keeping the uh, soft personnel or former soft personnel on the key positions, so that 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 worked. Uh, that works. It works right now, and I believe it will work in in the future. Um, not only on the command level, but also on the brigade level and the battalions levels. We have a former soft personnel, and even the people, uh, even the brigade commanders, we've uh, graduated from the. Uh, SFQC Special Forces uh, qualification course, so so that way um, that way we can uh, also much easier to communicate, uh, and this is much easier to understand our um, our goals, our missions, and our tasks uh, um, uh, to execute by, by our uh, brigade commanders. So more, more or less to or to or to or to uh, um, sum it up, yes, that was intentionally to put. Uh, uh, former soft personnel on the key positions in newly created uh, uh, territorial defense forces, and it was also uh, it was also uh, international decision intentional decision that we are using uh, a former soft personnel as our in our mobile training teams, and this is also very important. This is a unique solution in the Polish armed forces that we have a former soft operators. Um, right now, from the legal point of view, they are uh, contractors, the army contractors. They work for the army, but they are not anymore soldiers. Uh, but we use their capabilities, we use their knowledge, and we use their um, 
experience to train uh, to train the trainers. So this is way how we uh, um, how we um, enhance the capabilities of the our instructors and trainers. So that's more or less that's that's what I have for this question. No, that that's that's amazing, sir. And and I, I got to say the. I want to dwell on this relationship that I think is there between uh, territorial defense and unconventional warfare. I think it's a really interesting, um, almost, uh, yeah, like nice relationship. I don't know what, what the technical term would be, but these, these terms, there seems to be a lot of overlap sort of conceptually between these two. Um, and so the, one of the, the underlying themes of everything we've been talking about in this entire series is this idea of differentiating between special operations as a thing we do and special operations forces is the, you know, the, the people that do those things. Um, and I, I think I'd be curious to get your take on, would you classify territorial defense as a special operation, as a form of special operations? Um, and how so, if, if so? That's a, that's a good question. So, so one, of the, one of the first, um, because the territorial defense forces started in Poland by nominating my commander, um, at that time, Colonel Kukua, um, a, a JWK, a Special Forces Unit Commando, um, a Green Beret unit of the Polish Armed Forces as a commander, and placed myself as, as his former Chief of Staff in the unit to be a Chief of Staff of the Territorial Defense. So the first discussions we had be, between uh, two of us was like, his mission was Machi, please do not recreate or, or re redesign TDF as a special forces or special operation forces. So, so uh, that was, uh, that was a quite clear mission for me as a chief of staff <laughs> and as a, as a, as an individual number two in, uh, in the entire Polish territorial defense forces. So, uh, so, so, so that was very hard to get rid in, in, in uh, uh, to get rid of this soft heritage immediately but of course, uh, we struggle, and we and I struggle, and he struggle. He also, as a commander, he also struggle not to re re rebuild or replicate territorial defense in a, uh, uh, replicate territorial defense as a as another special operation forces. But but there are two very and you and, and you touch the point because there are two uh, uh, there, there 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 are some overlapping capabilities. Of the territorial defense forces and the Polish uh, Polish South, uh, it is it is uh, it, it is because the Polish South is mostly um, the army South using this using the uh, using the U.S. arm U.S. Uh, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, taxonomy. This is the Polish. Um, of course, we have a uh, uh, navy units, and we have also the air air force, uh, the air force units, special special operation forces, special air operation forces units. But the the, the Polish uh, uh, are, uh, to be honest, land heavy, so the army heavy using this U.S. taxonomy. So we we both operate in the land domain, and um, we as a we said as a TDF, and they are uh, they as a special operation forces, and of course. Uh, uh, as I can use, I can refer to the the one of the fifth uh, one of the uh, soft troops. Most of the special operations uh, require non-soft assistance. So this is this is how we also discuss with General Kukua uh, that we are delivering uh, this non-soft assistance to our special operation forces, uh, and we are giving them 
this operational freedom, operational flexibility to, for them to operate. So uh, that, is, uh, that is why we also design our own, uh, I mean, our own TDF elements uh, to work uh, and to execute missions together with the special operation forces. But again, sum, to sum it up, I do not see TDF as a, as a special operation forces, uh, but we have also, we have some, I could say, specialized elements uh, in the uh, within our TDF, uh, we, within the TDF, we have we have some specialized elements to work, and are uh, and are they are precisely designed, equipped, and trained to work with the uh, special operation forces. But the entire formation is rather light infantry, uh, light infantry in 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 character with robust anti-tank uh, capabilities. That's really that's well, interesting too. Sorry, sorry, uh, Colonel Kevin, if I, if I may, I just I, I love the uh, I, that that focus on light infantry. Um, again, that's that really resonates with our Canadian experience. Uh, we, we've we've dabbled with territorial defense uh, a few years ago. Uh, there was some efforts at, at reorganizing um, the Canadian Armed Forces along you know, and, and again focusing on our reserve units and aligning them as territorial defense. I think uh, brigades, and I'll, I'll probably get fact checked beyond all recognition when this drops. Um, so I apologize ahead of time, uh, but there was an effort to push this capability to the reserve units and focus them in, in major urban areas with a with a view to uh, territorial defense, but in a very broad concept of you know uh, response to uh, environmental challenges, uh, you know natural disaster recovery, things like that. But very much pushed to the reserves, um, and so I, I find it interesting. I, again, same thing. You know, most of our reserve capabilities are light, um, and uh, that's. That's fascinating, but your emphasis on uh, advanced anti-tank weaponry, I think, is really critical, and it's one I don't want to allow to just to just uh, go go by the by the wayside. It's something that we've noticed, um, obviously, in in recent events, as being critical to to effective territorial defense. And just as a bit of a a, a bit of a personal shout out to to some of the things I did as a, as my own experience as a platoon commander, it was probably the key capability in my even in my mechanized infantry platoon was having that uh, reliable advanced anti-armor system, which you know, in our context was, was mostly notional, um, but we did train around it and build some of our tactics, techniques and procedures around it because it's so critical. And, uh, and seeing that validated um, is, uh, is interesting as well. So again, I just highlight that, that emphasis, I think it's, it's really, really important. One thing, sir, if I could ask you just to, uh, to clarify, when you, you mentioned JWK, uh, could you just clarify for, for everyone what that means? Yeah, the JWK is a Polish acronym of this special special uh, special forces unit commando, which is the the, the, the oldest and the biggest Polish special operation forces uh, unit uh, designed uh, mostly to do uh, to to execute the unconventional warfare missions. Right on, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Go ahead. And just as a side, there it's it's probably closest in the Canadian context to the Canadian Special Operations Regiment CSOR kind of okay. that direction um but that's that's important jwk has been a, a lead in this whole development magic we're, we're extremely excited about this whole discussion because we're both closely related to soft and we're both reserve component officers so anything with territorial defense is very positive it shows a, a high value i do want to come back to something so what i understood was you've got a soft spirit but within the tdf and you support Polish soft. So I guess I, I've got a two-part question. One would be, 
what's the overlap or nexus between the Polish soft missions and the TDF? And, and we can use standard NATO terminology, direct action, military assist, assistance, and special reconnaissance. But the second question would be equally interesting. How do you, you command and control and adjudicate TDF and Polish soft operations in various forms of conflict, competition, or even combat? Mm -hmm. That's that's thank you for that for that uh, Kevin. It's, it's it's very important. It's very important question, and uh, uh, um, I can also refer to my to my previous question that you you have to remember the Polish geostrategic situation and the Polish geostrategic situation. Of course, Poland is located between uh, Russia and Germany. We are of course the border country uh, or the. Uh, uh, flank uh, on the eastern flank of NATO and eastern flank of, of EU. So the west for the eastern Poland of of uh, eastern eastern border of Poland is the eastern border of NATO is a border of uh, of EU. Uh, so of course we have an access to the Baltic Sea, which is the which is the of course important uh, important uh, uh, theater from the uh, from the from the uh, operational perspective. However, we are. We are, as I said, we are uh, land heavy, and our and, and our future battle and uh, will be uh, land heavy from the Polish perspective. Of course, we see uh, the navy uh, or the uh, maritime perspective, and of course the airspace perspective. Uh, and I, but I don't want to go to the uh, to the many domains. However, Paul TDF and the Polsoft will operate in the same domain, which is the which is the land which is the land domain. In the most of the most of the time, they will they will the the the, the AOR of the TDF and the special operation forces uh, um, JSOA will be will be overlapping. So so we will have a Pulse operators and the Pol TDF operators in the same uh, in the same areas. Uh, to add some more uh, to add some more complex uh, complexity. We can also expect, of course, it's not a it's not a secret because, but what we also expect some uh, some uh, some NATO or Allied soft operating also within this uh, with this within this operational area. So, so this is more or less this is this is then 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 the 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 idea of 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 common of common operating uh, elements from the Polsov and the and the Pol TDF. Uh, which is uh, which is also very important, and I'm I'm also very often talking uh, when I'm also talk to the to the people. I also uh, tell them that the POSOF and the Pol TDF <clears throat> we operate also in another in another domain, which is the which is the which is the domain not uh, not being uh, recognized by the NATO NATO right now. But we I talk about the cognitive domain. So the so 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 the SOF is operating on on this. On this, you know, you remember this winning hearts and minds. So it was always about winning hearts and minds. So from the from the Polish perspective, that was that was of course very important when we were in uh, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in, in in all of these international operations. However, the situation is very different when we consider uh, employment of the soft, especially Polish soft elements on a Polish soil. So we are we are about. The, the winning their hearts and minds, it's not really a critical because we will be, we will be, or they will be used, the soft operators will be used uh, 
on, on our, our own uh, territory. <coughs> but this cognitive domain is, is critical for the Pol TDF soldiers, because I did not mention that our elements, our companies, our battalions and our brigades are geographically tied to the administrative uh, uh, administrative uh, structure of the Polish uh, of the of Poland, which is the also the, the three levels of boroughs, counties, and states, which is in Polish in the Polish situations. It's it, it's uh, uh, the voivodeships in the German situation are uh, states or land or lands in the U.S. situation are states. So. So we placed our companies, our battalions, and our brigades. Uh, they are operating in the in the same AOR. They operating during the peace crisis and the wartime. So they are super experts on what's going on, for starting from the really really uh, uh, really uh, tact sub tactical level. What's going on in this village? What's going on in the city? Uh, up to the up to the state level, when our brigade commanders. Uh, currently serves as a, as an advisor to the governor. I could say I could you, I can refer also again to the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. Uh, taxonomy. So uh, we had a lot of we have a lot of examples of that that this very common saying that every soldier is a sensor. We actually work. We actually experience that in many times. That one of the biggest flood, uh, uh, in, the biggest flood in uh, in Poland in 2019, started, and the employment of the special uh, employment of the TDF personnel started from the just a single question on WhatsApp of one private to the uh, to the platoon leader, hey sir, the river I have at my uh, 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 river coming to, um, um, near to my home. Never, never looked like that. This is the first time I see this river uh, so strange with uh, so many water coming through this river. So this could be an important message for you, sir, to the platoon leader. So that went into two hours time. This message was delivered two hours to the command. And there was a decision of, hey, we need to deploy elements. We need to deploy our, uh, what we call the uh, crisis, uh, crisis uh, task force. And we were first on the, on the spot and we were first uh, to, execute the crisis management uh, operation. So, so I'm talking about the crisis management, but uh, that, that shows that uh, how important it is to have this uh, well-trained, uh, well-prepared TDF soldiers down to the ground and looking from the perspective of working with the TDF, with the PulseSoft personnel, how important it is to, how, uh, what kind of flexibility that gives to the PulseSoft operators, which are operating in the, in a really known area when we can deliver this, what we call this uh, non-soft assistance uh, to them. And another point, and I'm also going to refer to the history. This is of course not the first time in the Polish history because during the World War II, we created, uh, we created the, the underground, the, uh, the Polish underground states. Uh, there was about 300, 380,000 home army, home army soldiers, uh, more or less. But not not many people many people know about that. But not many people know about that that it was about 316. I repeat, 316 Polish elite special operation para commandos being dropped from Great Britain and from uh, from Italy. Uh, we call them Chico Chemni, which is the, the silent and unseen. 
and they were more or less soft operators. I, uh, so we always use this the, this example, like like they change uh, the quality of, of, of the operation of the home army. So we have a massive formation, a home army being led by only three three and six three three and uh, three hundred and sixteen uh, super super uh, intelligent, uh, super trained, super equipped uh, special operations forces at that time uh, who led the operations, the the more major combat operations of this massive formation. So so we are also using that, of course, not directly for, uh, for the Pol TDF and the Pol Sov, but this is also the good example and and. We, we soldiers, uh, we, 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 we like to use, uh, uh, we like to use uh, real life experience and real life uh, examples on, uh, uh, on that. And my last point to that is that, as I said, we share, um, we, we share the, the, the Polsov and the Poltidia, we share another commonality. This is approach like people first strategy. So the soldier is the most important, uh, important tool and as the most important, uh, 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 the most important uh, 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 part of this of this machine called Polsov or Pol TDF. So that's my point. Patrick, thanks very much. That's uh, that's a really great explanation, and I think provides some understanding for not only the listener but also for me and, and Christian. Really appreciated. And and uh, and I, if you if I, if I may to refer also to your second part of your question to to how we how we delineate or how we uh, uh, deconflict this um, the command and control architecture uh, because you 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 also uh, talk about that if you can if you can briefly discuss it how you work correctly I mean you know from the NATO perspective and the U.S. perspective someone always needs to be supported or supporting, someone needs to be in the lead. Your historical example provides a little bit of a, a more ambiguous arrangement. I'm just wondering how you're addressing it in the current stage. So so thank you, for, thank you, Kevin, for uh, referring to the NATO, because to be honest, in the, in the Polish TDF, we are more or less adopted what is what is very, uh, what is presence in a, in a Polsov, uh, in, a, in a soft uh, environment. Uh, we have uh, we, we have uh, we designed at our liaison teams, our liaison officers, um, and we all not only uh, uh, send our liaison teams, we also rece receive liaison teams. Uh, when we have a common operation with the Polish uh, Special Operation Forces, uh, we just exchange our liaison teams, uh, liaison officers, just to make sure that we are not uh, we understand the as I said the what's the the end state of the operation. And of course, we are uh, we, we have a, a lot of uh, uh, we have a lot of understanding for our pulse of uh, um, component and pulse of um, uh, leaders that they cannot share everything with us. We understand that and this is a totally a totally agreed. So that's why we are more or less using this restrictive areas, um, um, uh, joint special operation areas. So we understand that we we as a pol TDF. Uh, we are, uh, as you said, we are most of the time we are uh, in supporting role to our to support our pulse uh, of operators during du during their operation, and this is going on right now. Uh, we have, as you probably know, we have a prolonged crisis on the Polish-Belarus border. Uh, we deployed uh, more than two thousand Polish TDF personnel, 
and we operate with the Polsov teams and we are more or less supporting them uh, in, uh, when they run the operations uh, on border. All right, uh, sir. So one of the things I noticed in your com in your comments too is you talked about this idea of um, you know going back to that historical example, that that really powerful one of you know dropping just you know just over three hundred operators into a contested space. They link up with the uh, in place resistance force and and begin wreaking havoc. Again, sounds very very familiar in terms of an unconventional uh, warfare mission set. And what I find fascinating is that this highlights that force multiplier piece that that soft brings and i think it's that that approach to territorial defense that you're taking in in poland i think is really interesting and um certainly from our experience seems to be unique um and, and really hammers home you know you know kevin i know you've done some research into resistance warfare uh in the same line of that this is this is what is part and parcel of of, of a soft mission set um so i think again the the, the alignment is, is really interesting here. And I, I just, I want to highlight that because one of the other themes that's come up in our series is this idea of special operations forces as integrators. And by virtue of their ability to integrate with forces in place, uh, local forces, other government departments, other agencies, other partners, brings that force multiplier piece forward and highlights it. Uh, so I think this is really, really interesting stuff. Um, what I'd love to ask now is uh, to sort of shift gears a little bit to force generation and how we get folks into special operations forces and you know whether it's in 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 soft formally or into other uh, sort of unconventional units like like the tdf um we learned in a recent podcast for example that the israeli defense forces are recruiting conscripts directly into soft um and what's your ability of the tdf soldier to conduct special operations forces missions or reach a soft level of capability is that potentially a path to joining an organization like say the jwk i know in canada we've tinkered with the idea, toyed with the idea of, of recruiting into our special forces community directly you know, off the street. But as of right now, we still, you know, soldiers uh, come into the regular conventional forces first and then uh, elect to uh, challenge selection in our, our special operations forces. The United States does a bit of both. I think there are paths directly into special operations forces uh, from the street, so to speak, in the U.S., um, but not necessarily so uh, in, in other countries. So I'd just love to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's that's really important, and you and you and you touch the the I think the critical uh, the critical uh, capabilities of the not only the soft, not only the TDF, but entire armed forces are the uh, how we recruit uh, how we recruit personnel. And uh, I think we all we all we I mean the Western societies we all struggle with this uh, how to uh, how to recruit, but we also struggle how to retain personnel within the within the ranks. So uh, I, I was not aware of this Israeli Defense Forces uh, a way of uh, of recruiting people for, uh, uh, to to the soft units. However, in Poland, a uh, couple of years ago, and I, I mean, I mean, couple of years ago, I mean, I remember that from my time in the in the JWK in the in the post of units, and that was more or less 2016. <coughs> so we, I remember that we also opened this this uh, this capability, and we opened the. Uh, what we call um, as a soft school or a soft course uh, for civilians, and that was 18 months uh, course uh, designed to recruit uh, and train um, uh, the, the 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 more or less the privates. So the the privates and they uh, there was a one of the sources of uh, recruitment to the uh, Polish Special Operation Forces. 
however, uh, however, I, I, as I as I mentioned uh, before, within the TDF, uh, we have uh, we have specially, as I said, specially designed, specially trained, and specially equipped elements um, to uh, run the. Um, not maybe to run the uh, special operation to run the uh, unconventional warfare, uh, more or less these uh, being uh, more or less the guerrilla fighters, uh, and of course um, we do not train them to uh, execute the full spectrum of the uh, special operations, which which uh, Kevin mentioned: uh, SR, special reconnaissance, DA, direct actions, and uh, MA, military assistance. So they are trained to become leaders of the unconventional warfare. And in case of war, uh, they could, uh, uh, they could uh, uh, start working as a UW leaders um, and making sure that uh, the Poland is fighting. And even though if the terrain is, uh, is, is uh, temporarily occupied, we, we still have this, uh, we still have a, Capabilities to run uh, military operations at as what we see right now in uh, in uh, temporary occupied uh, territories uh, in Ukraine. Uh, so we see more and more information about the uh, partisans and unconventional warfare uh, operators and whatever name you would like to use. But definitely, uh, I would like to undermine that. I I do not see the TDF as a uh, as a direct uh, 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 replacement of the soft. However, you used a very good, uh, very good term. Uh, we are the force multipliers. And uh, we can, and this is what we do. We deliver to the soft, uh, to the Polish soft. We deliver the extra capabilities. So they do not have to, uh, they, they can only, they, they can uh, uh, deploy only limited number of, 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 of uh, personnel. And we have, uh, um, our capabilities ready to uh, support the mission and to even execute the missions. But of course, we have to be very, very, uh, 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 very precise not to duplicate or not to not to uh, create this uh, this uh, idea that the Pol TDF is the replacement of the of the Pol Sov. And and, and uh, of course, um, um, as as I put in my article. And it's my in my in my written uh, written part. Um, but the General Kukua started uh, started uh, uh, spreading this uh, this very uh, a very good acronym. Uh, but to be honest, this this the author of the acronym was uh, was another former U.S. soft officers, uh, Colonel Derek Jones. This uh, R2D2, uh, which is the, of course for this or Star Star Wars lover. Uh, it's a it's an it's a massage for their ears. But we understand this R2D2 as a resilience, resistance, deterrence, and defense. So that makes the, the, the mission for the Pol TDF quite clear. Uh, we, are all, we are all about, of course, uh, building a resilient society and building a resilient or resilient uh, armed forces. We are, of course, to, to prepare our resistance uh, elements and, of course, uh, contribute into the overall deterrence posture of, the Pol of Poland. And NATO, and of course, in case of in case of war, or in case of the or military operations, uh, we are uh, we are to defend and we are to contribute to the overall uh, the defensive uh, posture of the Polish of Poland and the Polish armed forces. So, so that's that's the uh, that's my point. 
Sir, you're warming my heart when in a conversation on special operations forces, we can talk about Star Wars. Uh, and I love the R2-D2 uh, acronym, and I love how you, you close your, uh, your policy brief with that too, and that, that put a smile on my face. Uh, but it brings forward a, a really important point, which is, again, partly why we're talking about this stuff, which it goes back to the idea of deterrence. Making it known that this capability exists, that this is how we're thinking, does have that deterrence effect. And it's one of the principles of deterrence is that it has to be signaled. Deterrence is no good if it's in secret. The whole point is that people see that this is something we can do and it causes a second thought. That's the intent. And I think that's really important. And I love that, 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 that there is that conceptual connection between doing all this work to build a resilient society and then sharing it with the world and saying, look what we're doing. Don't mess with us effectively. Um, so I think that's, that's a really important point. Yes, if, and if I may to add this, uh, you, you totally hit, uh, hit you, you hit the point because this is also what we believe that if we talk about effective deterrence, uh, you, you cannot just uh, hide everything and not talking about that because then I believe that the deterrence, uh, the effective deterrence has three pillars, uh, credibility, capability, uh, oh, capability, credibility, and communication. So, so without... Of course, uh, you can have a great capabilities, but if you have do not if you do not communicate that, you do you do not uh, you do not execute a, a, an effective uh, resilience. So so that's uh, that's more or less uh, the point. Uh, and my discussions and and the guidance from General Kukua, I like, hey, just uh, avoid sensitive topics, but just communicate. Hey, we have something like this, and if you step step in, uh, we will punch you. So so that more or less that's uh, that's the idea of General Kukua. Fantastic. Kevin, over to you. Matic, you've provided some very unique perspective today uh, in terms of special operations forces, uh, but more importantly, how they relate to a growing territorial defense force in Poland. Uh, I'm also sure that Colonel retired Derek Jones will be pleased to be quoted on this, this podcast. I'll just highlight that because I know he listens to it. Uh, I'd like to just do a, a closing question to you. You're currently the deputy commander of the Polish Territorial Defense Forces. From your perspective, what do you see as the future evolution of SOF in the next 10 years? And I'll leave it very open, just, just a perspective. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, very, very, that's a very hard question because it's always hard to talk about the future. So, but, but, uh, but, but I see, Having in mind what's going on and the change and the so especially the social changes, that's going to be a real uh, the the real issue will be the uh, recruitment and retention. So I do not see, or I'm of course I'm talking from the Polish perspective. So I do not see the dramatic uh, the, the, the the dramatic grow in numbers uh, because they will be a very hard to to get uh, and to build super super new extra extra units. However, what I see. They are the growing capabilities, and uh, and I mentioned about uh, more specialized, more skill, more skills delivered to the to the uh, offered to the soft personnel, and uh, having in mind also that that Paul uh, the Paul soft is more or less as I said the land domain or or, or uh, uh, land heavy. Uh, I believe that the especially the uh, uh, the space domain and uh, uh, also the uh, uh, the information domain, whatever we would like to to to, to call that, it's it's a cognitive domain, information domain. This will also uh, the the uh, 
this will also affect uh, uh, the, the development of the special operation forces. Um, what I can what I can also add, I see also the special operation forces uh, uh, having in mind that, that the threat posture we have we have right now in Poland and the threat coming from uh, in accordance to the to the last documents from the NATO when the Russia was um, officially declared as a major threat for the for the alliance and of course we are. Uh, uh, we are uh, the first country to face um, uh, face face the attack. I believe that we are going back to the within the next five to ten years. We are going back to this great power competition we observed in uh, in the Cold War era. So I don't want to say about the Cold War Cold War uh, Cold War 2.0. However, uh, I believe that especially the Polsov uh, is uh, facing the. Hey, we are not anymore in in Iraq. We are not anymore in Afghanistan. Uh, we will not uh, we will not observe uh, 15 minutes uh, medevac. Uh, we have to be ready to, uh, and we have to we, we need to be capable of facing the uh, facing the uh, real real big enemy uh, with the uh, great capabilities. I I understand. I, I know what's going on in Ukraine right now. Russians are not anymore uh, 10 feet tall. Uh, but Russians are not, any, uh, not Russians are not three feet tall, so they are still uh, uh, significant. Uh, they they still uh, have significant capabilities. So my understanding is that the Polsov, and uh, this is what we see in the Pol TDF, uh, we are uh, we are uh, more or less preparing uh, uh, for a great power competition and facing uh, and facing conventional conventional threat, not. Uh, as I said more again from the Polish perspective, I do not see a terrorism anymore of VO violent uh, uh, violent organization violent uh, extremist organization as a as a major threat, but I see the great power competition and the, and the, and the great uh, um, and the facing the great enemy that's going to be a challenge not only for the Pol TDF but also for the Polsov. That's that's more or less my point, uh, Kevin. Patrick, thank you so much on behalf of Christian and myself for participating in our podcast, as well as writing a very insightful policy paper. Uh, we look forward to getting that out to our broader audience. Thank you again for today's session, and we wish you all the best. Thank, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you very much.